This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. I love them. Now, on top of that, the reason why I love them is because they allow us to do such cool things like make new t-shirts that are coming and shipping this week, the Embrace the Tank t-shirt, which is made by our other sponsor. Nice transition, Ryan. Great job. Their other sponsor, Empirical Design, is a website, empiricaldesigns.net, where Nick, who's a fan of the podcast and also made our podcast art, can do any branding content you need. If you need help making a t-shirt, if you have, like, an artistic idea and you want to flesh it out, contact Nick at empiricaldesigns.net and he'll help you. Anyway, interesting podcast this week. Talk about number nine. Go into the draft process and invite Drew Way on to really break down some prospects and some coaching prospects for us. Drew's always great to have Drew. Anyway, let's get to this podcast. Love y'all. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. That was weird. Anyway, Bushwick's Breakaway. Hey, hey, you Breakaway. Welcome to the week of the number nine, number nine, number nine. Greg, say hello. My God, relax. What the fuck happened to you? I, I got taken over by the, the number nine demon. I, we favorite, fe- I fell favorite, a spot. Number, favorite number nine of all time in any sport? Top of my head? I can't think of one. And why can't, I'm going to be embarrassed. Mm, uh, Todd uh, Hundley for me. Not even close. Why can't I think of one? It's killing me. All right. I'll figure that out. I'll get yelled at for this, by the way. I guarantee mm. you. Editor's note, Adam Graves, I'm an idiot. It's a pleasure speaking to you. It's been a week. Uh, Feels longer, right? It does feel longer. Usually I feel like I'm talking to you all the time, and I did a lot last week, but it does feel longer. That's the thing that's crazy. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a month. We did three podcasts last week. We did three. So that was good. We were on the Garden Faithful. If you haven't checked that out yet, you can go. uh, To be honest, on the Garden Faithful, we didn't really talk a lot of Rangers. We kind of just bullshitted, which is good because that's what we do best. Yeah, it's what we do best with Woj, too. Uh, For sure. But on this wonderful podcast of ours we do end up talking a lot of rangers at the start of it and then we delve into develop wow we delve into the ranger oh delve what fuck am i talking about we go into nonsense later on but yeah for right- well, before before that did you see Corey seager needs tommy john surgery and he's out for the year no yeah but breaking news yeah my phone just told me can i breaking. Um, i just short stop Corey seager needs tommy just Johnson gonna go ahead and tag our friend and one of our groups real quick oh my god um and before that all right, let's talk really quick about – not really quick. Let's go in depth of what getting number nine as a sure. Ranger fan means. Let's review we what we, we were doing. Have, we couldn't have been in more different mental states. No, and a tweet uh, – and I don't want to get this person's name wrong, so I'm going to bring it up. Unless, Pretty sure it's Pete, Pete Waters. Okay, Pete Waters made one of my favorite tweets of all time, which was he just took both our tweets, put them together, put them next to each other, a tale of two podcasts. So because my tweet was pretty much like I'm in the, a very weird mental state for this – pick of our draft pick i i was not feeling too great about it and i i just had this weird hope that we would be a top three team but at the same time it was looming like i know the worst possible outcome is going to be here we didn't get the worst possible outcome which was 11 we ended up with nine instead you on the other hand greg <laughs> i was drunk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was i was pleasantly drunk i was in a good spot mentally well i it was a good spot for you what did you feel about landing at number nine falling down a spot well, um, like, tell me, take me through your thoughts as we were going through the 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 extravaganza of which was revealing the NHL picks. Really, my thought, my thought going into it is the same as my thought right now. Where obviously I wanted a top three pick, and I was starting to talk myself into possibility of a top three pick. But I've long held the opinion that it, it didn't matter if the Rangers were going to pick eighth, going to pick ninth, going to pick tenth. I'd put the odds of the Rangers actually picking ninth in this draft at about 40%. I, I just – the Rangers are the one team that have assets upon assets to make a move up in this draft. And the good news for the Rangers is there are teams in front of them, namely the Canadians and Senators, who I think you can pinpoint as trade partners. And you can flip ninth, maybe a late first, and another significant roster asset 
and move up in this draft. Now is a great time to tell tell you guys that we're bringing on Drew Way, who uh, does a lot of prospect analysis for the Blue Shirts Breakaway website, and is obviously a stats and analytic guru and all around good guy. He'll be on the podcast later on today to kind of break down the players in the top ten and where he thinks we're going to end up falling. Now you say we can move up to Montreal. Uh, I'm going to ask Drew when he comes on. What is that a good idea or not? How how far uh, ahead are these players? I th- um. That's that's really the money question, right? Like, what's the difference between Philip Zadina and Oliver Wallstrom? Like, that's what that's basically what we're going to have to figure out. It's more so not really the difference between these two players. It's more guaranteeing for yourself that you're getting your guy. That, that's really the difference. Right now at nine, it's very possible the Rangers end up with a very good player at nine. It, it's totally possible. A team in the top eight is going to reach for someone that we're not thinking of. Some team is going to take a guy earlier than he's supposed to go. And someone like Adam Boquist, Oliver Wallstrom, those are guys that could potentially fall to the Rangers at nine. However, you're kind of hoping for that to happen, right? You need a lot of things to go right yeah, in order for you to get your It's not in guy. your control. Like uh, right. From the what I've way- read today, is Boquist is, would be like our prime target for us, a person we would love. Now, will that happen? It's not. It's really out of our control. He's ranked what fifth, sixth. I mean, again, we'll get with that with Drew. But that's a guy that would have lo- I would love on this team without knowing anything. It's weird to say I would love. I would love this guy on this team because I really have never seen him play. I know nothing about him. The name sounds appealing. I like the name Boquist. It's fun to I'm say. A, I'm a big Boquist fan. I'm a big Wallstrom fan. Those are two guys I would. If the Rangers stayed at nine and one of those two guys made it to nine, I would consider that a massive coup. Um, it's it's one of those it's just that situation where it doesn't really matter where well it, of course it matters talent wise on a draft board where the rangers have those guys in relation to someone like zadina or more importantly where the rangers have those guys as opposed to someone who sits 10th 11th 12th on their draft board uh if the rangers are in love with a guy in this draft they have the assets to move up and the important thing is not just do the Rangers have the assets to move up. There are teams in front of them who are willing to move out, it seems like. Absolutely. And I, it it's just going to be such a weird month in general because I'm not sure we end up moving up. I really feel like we're going to sit all of a sudden. Now I, now I feel like we're going to wait and see what's there. Maybe I, someone takes gets taken, you know, like, like Leas Anderson did, where that person was not suspected to go in the top 10. We took him last year, and that kind of shifts everyone's draft board. That's... Maybe what the Rangers are thinking right now. Again, you said, I, you put it at forty percent. Well, but. I think I think it's a guarantee the Rangers move up. I just the question is, do they move up further in the top nine, or are they moving their late two picks for a pick in the teens? Like at some point in this first round, the Rangers are going to make a trade to move up the draft board. What we don't know is, does moving up the draft board mean the Rangers jumping into the top five, or does moving up the draft board mean the Rangers jumping jumping back into the top twenty? One of those two things is going to happen. Hell, the Rangers have enough prospects where both of those things could theoretically happen. Uh, I, I don't expect both to happen. You expect Leas and Heedle to stay around no matter what, correct? Because I've seen some, you could do Leas to Montreal. I would say the only two players I expect the Rangers to not trade are Anderson and Heedle. I I, I any other player, you can talk me into it. Yeah, they've just invested too much already. And those two guys. And they already seem like they have a lot of chemistry. I've kind of been loosely following through social media uh, them playing over in Europe right now. And, I mean, they've obviously both been pretty good. Speaking of players that have been pretty good, hey, Pavel Buchnevich, you're pretty good at hockey, huh? AV's still trying to think of a way to bench Buchnevich this upcoming season, even though he's not the coach anymore. You think he sent a text to the coach like, hey, you still playing that guy? You want to bench him? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I just, every other player is movable. It's not even that the Rangers have invested a lot in Anderson Heedle. It's just, those are still lottery tickets they're holding on to, And you no point in trying to cash those in before you really know what they are. It's pretty much like when you get your lottery money back at the convenience store and the guy looks at you like, so you're going to buy more lottery tickets. Right. Exactly. Like you just that hang, ten, on, hang on to it. That $10 you won. Do you want to play like five more win for lives? Huh? huh? Do you want to? And the answer is yes, you usually do. But this time, uh, probably not a good idea. You want to head, hold on to both those players. Going forward here, like you said, I think the Rangers could move up 
I've started to feel like there's not a chance. Now, you brought the point there to the mid-20s. You think they could turn the Bruins and the Lightning pick into something else to move up? It's like maybe the teens, maybe the late 20s to get to get a guy they might have ranked higher on the draft board? Well, you're also forgetting it's not just the picks the Rangers have. The, Matt Zuccarello might not be on this roster come the I, end of the draft. That's I, a trade chip they have. I think you that's like have- very close to what's happening. I, I still don't expect the Rangers to extend both Nemesnikov and Spooner. So those guys will be dangled and packaged with something else to possibly move up in this draft. The Rangers have a lot of stuff that not just, it's not just a conversation of the Rangers could trade this guy. There's also stuff that in a way the Rangers almost have to trade this guy and you have to get the value that you think you can for them. And with the amount of restricted free agents, the Rangers have with the amount of money they're going to have to invest in Kevin Hayes and Brady Shea, you, Vlad, Vladislav Nemesnikov and Ryan Spooner, these are guys that you're going to dangle for other teams in that portion of the middle of the first round. Teams that think they might be one veteran player away from making a significant playoff run. Uh, Oilers. Where, Oilers. Well, yeah, the Oilers pick 10th. There's there's every possibility the Rangers could Wait, the find Island, a pick, pick 10th pick, not involving the ninth pick, obviously. Don't the Islanders pick 10th? No, Islanders are 11 and 12. Oh, my bad. You're right. Uh, the Islanders getting screwed in this lottery, having fir- two lottery picks and both of them falling outside the top 10 is very quietly my favorite part of this entire it's, thing. It's not very quietly for me. It's my favorite part. It's, I, it's when just we got beautiful. ninth, I was like, well, at least the Islanders got 11th and 12th. Yeah, or or they, two behind us is what I was thinking. Yeah, they're uh, good for them. Um, what would really suck is if, if a player – now, get ready for this, Ranger fans. If we miss on a player – and that player becomes really good, and they go to the Islanders, will never, ever hear the end of it. That's the bad part about it. That's the only yeah. downside. Or we'll, or we'll never even hear it because John Tavares is centering the Rangers to a championship. Uh, I cannot wait. I uh, can't wait. Yeah, so in my mind, the Rangers are moving up. The question is, are they moving up in front of nine, or are they just moving up to number nine, number nine. 15, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in that range? Or, again... This could be like a Buffalo Bills situation. The Bills moved up twice in the NFL draft because they had two first-round picks. When you have three first-round picks, you have the option to basically move where you want in the draft outside of one and two. I don't think one and two are moving. Oh, Rasmus Stalin is in Buffalo. Yeah, he's a Buffalo Sabre, and it would be silly if the Hurricanes traded out of two. Can we do a, a, like a little role player here? I'll be Rasmus Dahlin, and you be the person, the, the woman interviewing me before the draft? Did you watch did that? You? Did you watch that interview, by the way? No, I did not. Oh, okay, because it, it went like this. Uh, Rosmus, so uh, what do you think about the draft? What are you doing on draft night? Yeah, I, uh, I uh, just gonna, I'll, I'm just gonna sit here and see what happens. <laughs> I was like, wow, great TV, and it was like literally five minutes of that. He was on Skype. He was. It must have been really late for him over in Europe, and he was just like, "Yeah, yeah you know, uh, it's gonna. It's exciting." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is what they put on TV." I thought that was a terrible decision. Anyway, any any Ranger fan who's now clamoring for the team to make a move for Rasmus Ristolainen, who by all accounts sounds like he's going to be on the chopping block for the Sabers, that doesn't help the Rangers in any way, shape, or form. Like he's an exciting player because he puts up points, but he's quite honestly just not that good defensively, he would be part of the problem, not the solution for the Rangers defense. Even if they get a new coach. Yeah, a lot. Well, even if they get a new coach. I mean, when we get a new coach. Yeah, Drew, who's about to get, who's about to jump on the podcast, put it best. Rasmus Ristolainen is the player that critics of Kevin Shattenkirk think Kevin Shattenkirk is. Oh, like if you have, if you have a problem with Shattenkirk's game for reasons that are unjustifiable, Rasmus Ristolainen is justifiably that player. Hmm. Okay. Now, uh, speaking of Buffalo, what a renaissance weekend for them. Oh, my God. You get Rosmus mm-hmm. Dalian, You get Josh mm-hmm. Allen. The, the, the second part you mentioned is not part of the renaissance. <laughs> the Josh the Allen gonna, part? They, the, the Bills fucked themselves up for the next five years because they drafted Josh Allen seventh overall. Do you think so? You really think that? Yes. I think Josh Allen, without question, will be the worst quarterback taken in this uh, Yeah, we've draft. mentioned that before. And, we'll, yes. and we shall see. Hey, quick He's question. Uh, what, how much did you bet uh, Taylor on the Atlanta Braves? A hundred dollars. Not looking too great. <laughs> no, not looking good for you. Uh, yeah, not great. It doesn't help that Acuna is basically the second coming of Jesus. I, I don't know if you've Christ. seen uh, as 
Ozzy Albies play. Uh, have I seen him? He kills the. He's <laughs> he's already my most feared hitter on the Braves, and he's twenty one years old. That's exciting. Youngest player in baseball. I feel wonderful. Yeah, feel the pitching good. won't last though. The, the, the pitching is the most surprise. The offense is going to be very good. Yeah. Albies, Acuna, Freeman, like that lineup is fucking ridiculous. And Nick Markakis is hitting like nine hundred OPS right now. Unbelievable. Yeah, anyway, it's, it's the pitching is, that's not going to live. This is talking baseball on Bush's Breakaway. I just uh, yeah, hundred hundred dollars. Nine in a row. Nine in a row. Nine in a row. Anyway, um. What do you want to go to Drew right now? What is there any other Ranger topics we got to cover? I mean, Pavel is just playing well. Saw some cute pictures of the boy on social media meeting up over in Europe. Uh, the only thing really worth mentioning is there is a Rangers wrinkle to Lou Lair- Lairman- Lamorello wow, uh, getting fired by the so Toronto Maple Leafs. The, when, when I talked with Scott, he he made it sound like the only conceivable way that Sheldon Keefe would elect to stay within the Toronto organization is if Kyle Dubas became the general manager and basically asked his good friend to stay with him. So I, it, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not even giving it very good odds. I'm just saying there is now a scenario where Kyle Dubas does become Maple Leafs general manager. And if Kyle Dubas becomes Maple Leafs general manager, there is a not 0% chance that he can convince Keith to stay in Toronto. Hmm. Again, we have to wait till June to find out. These playoffs right. are starting to pick up, by the way. They're they're getting a little more exciting. Not that you're watching, but uh, you know. Just still, not, still, still I, not. Watching. I watched the overtime. Still, I watched I the, o- the overtime game between Nashville. Uh, was really good. Nashville. Yeah, and I, I I've seen enough of Tom Wilson to know that that guy should be suspended. Yeah, what's a goal, Greg? What? That's a great question. Um, what's, what's a goal? Two things I never thought we'd have to define in the year 2018. What is a goal? And what is a catch? Well, what is a catch? What is a catch is an age-old question. That question goes back like twenty years. What is a goal when it clearly passes the line? I, I just don't know. That was I bullshit. I mean, I hate the Penguins, right? But that was crazy. This is this is the part of the playoff narrative, though, where Capitals fans are starting to get even just a little bit of confidence, and that little bit of confidence is going to crush them when they eventually fuck this up. No, yeah, the Penguins are going to crush them. They're gonna they're gonna get destroyed. Uh, the the Rangers, by the way, not doing too hot against the Bruins. Yeah, and, and unbelievable. The Bruins are able to do this without Nick Holden. You know, I just don't understand how they can keep it together. It's incredible. They and, they and, have this. And Rick Nash scored this, two meaningless goals. Pretty. They have this bullet in the chamber that is Nick Holden. Whenever whenever they got to break that glass in case of emergency, the Lightning are just fucked. For reference, we are recording two minutes before puck drop of that game. Six. Someone did. Someone did ask me this week of all the players playing in the. Bruins, uh, Bruins Lightning series, which is the one I missed the most. Mm-hmm. It's still Strawman. Strawman would have changed the entire narrative of the Rangers if he just if they if they resigned him. I, I truly and honestly believe that. Absolutely. Hey, actually, uh, I got to bring this up real quick. I'm going to use my keyboard and type and delay here. Going ahead to iTunes, uh, but we got one five star question this week. Even though we retired the the segment itself. No, this segment is like fucking the guy who runs Full Tilt Rangers. What Always is, keeps coming back. It keeps coming back no matter what you do? Yeah. All right, let's see here. I have it. This is great podcasting. This is from uh, Colorado NYR. Hey, 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 five stars. Best podcast out there. Hot dog is not a sandwich. It's a tube steak. Interesting. A tube uh, steak. I'm not, that, you know what? No, not get, not going down that rabbit hole today. A tube steak. So, I don't want to know what a tube steak there's is. There's nothing so, appealing about the words together tube and steak. No, it sounds like it sounds like you've stuck your penis in something questionable and this is what you're ending up It sounds up like with. an awful sausage. Um, what are some realistic acquisitions that the Rangers make this offseason? Acquisitions? Ac- is, it, is it acquisitions or accusations? What Which one resi- is it? <laughs> what are some realistic accusations? Uh, a- acquisitions. Realistically, like outside of John Tavares, yeah, like outside of John Tavares trading for Eric Carlson, I mean, maybe well, Ian I, Cole, I, maybe. Realistic, I I don't know if I would put Eric Carlson out of the realm of realism. I think Eric Carlson can definitely happen. It's a question of if the Rangers want to bite that bullet in terms of total package it would take to get him. Uh, Kovalchuk is happening, whether you want it or not. It, he's coming to New York. I have no reason to doubt that. Uh, I, def, I I think the Rangers are going to kick the tires on just about every available defenseman in trade. So we're going to hear a lot of Oscar Clefbaum. We're going to hear a lot of Eric Carlson. We're going to hear a lot of Dougie Hamilton. Um, as far as 
under the radar veteran NHL signings, I don't know if the Rangers are necessarily going to make many. That that kind of goes against the point of what they're trying to do. I, the name you might hear is someone like Rick Nash. I don't think you're going to hear of John Carlson, who's going to be the best defensive free agent available on the open market. Uh, I don't think you're going to hear of guys like Paul Stasny. It doesn't really make sense for what the Rangers are trying to do. Patrick Maroon doesn't really make sense for what the Rangers are trying to do. Even Michael Grabner doesn't really make sense for what the Rangers are trying to do. So yeah, I, I don't I, think Grabner think, comes back. I think outside of Kovalchuk and Rick Nash and the fantasy that is John Tavares, I really don't think you're going to hear the Rangers too involved in the free agent market. I think all the noise the Rangers are going to make is on the trade front, and that's because, one, they have an overabundance of assets, and they need to turn some of that into a defenseman, and and two, it's the three first-round picks. They're going to be active on draft day. Absolutely. All right, let's go over to Drew. Ready? Transition. And now we have our first and only guest of the day, Andrew Drusive. Drew Way, you are the managing editor of BushwitchBreakaway.com and do a lot of work on prospects and also the smartest analytic guy I know. Drew, say hello. Andrew, dude, the only time I get Andrew is if my mom or wife are pissed at me. Yeah, Andrew, you better talk about <laughs> prospects on this podcast. <laughs> uh, we brought you on to talk about, you know, where the Rangers landed, number nine, and, and what the potential is for this team going forward. I kind of want to start with the question was, what was your reaction when you fell to nine? So I was actually, I was at my good friend from college's house. It was at like a little, it was the first time I've been over his house. We're eating dinner and I kind of paused dinner for a second. I was like, dude, I need to turn the draft lottery on for a bit just to see what happens. And yeah. he kind of laughed. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. He does, He's not a hockey fan. He doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, my reaction when they landed nine was, well, at least the Islanders didn't jump into the lottery. Literally the exact same thing we said five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're all the same person. That's good news. But, I mean, the way I've looked at it is, uh, for me, there's a big drop-off after 10. And so as long as we were in the top 10, it's not like the end of the world. So I'll, I'll phrase it this way. There was a thread on Reddit today I read through. It's it e- the ESPN winners and losers draft lottery. Most yeah. pundits were saying that if you're not in the top eight, you're not going to get your guy. Explain to me why that's false. Well, first of all, most pundits don't say that. Greg Wyshynski, or who are the fuck on ESPN wrote that, says that. Bob McKenzie says it drops after nine. And when you're talking about prospect stuff, I'm going to trust Bob McKenzie over fucking Greg Wyshynski. Um, at least, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Greg wrote that article. Anyway, um, yeah, McKenzie says it drops off after nine. Personally, I think it drops off after ten. Um, so we're just to plug a little bit. In some, at some point in late May, myself, George, and Sean, who wrote the, our previous kind of draft rankings article, right. we're going to do a draft uh, tier, a prospect tiers article. I'm a big fan of prospect tiers. A lot of times when you're looking at rankings, like you'll see someone at like 16, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, et cetera. A lot of the times there's really very little difference between uh, someone that's ranked at 16 and 25, for example. So grouping guys into tiers really helps add valuable context to, you know, the, the rankings. And so we're going to pu- publish a tiers piece in late May. And the way right now I personally tier things off is Darlene is on a tier of his own at one. Then tier two is Sveshikov and, Z- and Zadina. Tier three, in my opinion, is Oliver Wallstrom. Quinn Hughes and Adam Boquist. Then tier four goes from uh, seven is goes from seven to ten, and that is Noah Dobson, uh, Evan Bouchard, Brady Kachuk, and Ty Smith. And the big difference I have from what your traditional pundits have is a lot of the pundits like McKenzie and all those guys have it dropping after nine because they don't have Ty Smith in their top ten. I love Ty Smith; he's awesome. Go on YouTube, just search him, look at his highlights. The guy is incredible. And when you look at his stat profile, the guy who he most closely resembles um, in his draft year is Ivan Provorov. Yeah. Uh, Drew, not just while we're talking about the Wyshynski article, my whole problem with, well, this draft falls off after eight is all it takes is one team to do something dumb. And all of a sudden, one of your top eight players is now available at nine. Right, exactly. And to your point, you know, center is always a big position to need. The top of this draft is all wing and defense. The top centers are all in like the 11 to 15 range when you're looking at most rankings. And so if someone's going to reach for a center, well, boom, one of that top eight drops out anyway. But like I said, I think that's all a moot point. I think it drops off after 10. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. And this is something we briefly talked about. We tried to save a lot of our draft stuff for when you came on. I'm still of the opinion where I'm going to be surprised if the Rangers actually pick at nine. I think this the lottery for the Rangers kind of set up perfectly in terms of teams they can trade with to get even in the top five. The Canadians and the Senators are sitting right there, and the Rangers have the assets to make those picks possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Um, it's hard. I mean, past precedent says it's really hard to move up in the top 10. Um, if I were to bet on something, I'd say we make a move up from one of the later picks. Because I'm with you. I know on the podcast a couple times you said you don't think we're making all three first-round picks. I agree. I think one of those first-round picks is either being moved for a roster piece or it's being packaged to move up from the back end of the first. It's real hard to move up in that top 10. And, and um, I agree with what you just said. I mean, Montreal straight up came out and said, Hey, we're willing to trade the pick for the right price. Um, and then, you know, Arizona is the team, you know, they're run by Cheka, who's a big value guy. And if, you know, his value charts say it's worth it to move back to nine and get the additional assets, he'd probably make that trade. Ottawa, you know, they're on that GM's on his last leg. So he's always ripe for, you know, making a desperate move. Um, that said, like, I- I'm kind of afraid about, moving up from nine only because I'm afraid of what the Rangers will do. Um, I feel the same way, Drew. I, I, yeah, I have like, this nervous feeling that like we want to get this higher ceiling player where I maybe their guy we want could just be sitting there at number nine. You know way better than I do. I don't know anything about these prospects. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of really good players. I mean, Noah Dobson, like uh, George, wrote, George wrote about Noah Dobson in our last article, and he wrote in that his player comp was Ryan McDonough. That's honestly a good comparison. When you look at – and again, for the record, these player comps are styles, not you know what we think they'll become. And when you watch him play, he, he really does remind you of McDonough. Like He doesn't do anything amazingly spectacularly, but he does everything well. He's very good in his own zone. He's perfectly fine in the offensive zone. He's got good hands for a defenseman. He skates well. He's, you know, on the bigger side. I think he's like 6'1", 6'2", um, where a lot of the other high guys like Hughes and Boquist are the 5'11 range. Um, but Dobson, like if you're going to list off like, all the traits you're looking for a defenseman, everything is above average. Whereas when you look at like a Boquist or a Hughes, they have a couple things that are super elite. Boquist is as good of an offensive defenseman as you're going to get. Um, again, when you're talking about style comparisons, I'm not saying he's going to be Eric Carlson or John Klingberg, but he has that kind of game. That's the style of play he has. He, you, it, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better dynamic, offensively gifted defenseman than Adam Boquist. And Quinn Hughes might be the best skater in this entire freaking draft. Quinn Hughes is one of the best skating defensemen I've seen in a long time. And he's also very good in his own zone, very good on offense. Um, you know, th- There's a lot of good talent in this draft. And, I mean, if, if we move up to get, like, an Oliver Wallstrom or something, I'm okay. My fear, though, is moving up to, you know, four or five and then taking Brady Kachuk. And Kachuk's a good prospect. The hate's gone too far on him. But it, that just would be a very Rangers move to do, to move up and take the guy who's more known for his hockey IQ and his work ethic than, say, his elite-level talent. Good news. If the Canadians don't trade out of three, you don't have to worry about Brady Kachuk. Uh, yeah, and, and I do want to stress, though, like the hate has gone too far on him. There are a lot of people on Twitter that are like, oh, Kachuk's only this high because of his name. I wouldn't draft him in the top ten. You're crazy if you don't draft him in the top ten. Kachuk is a very good prospect. He might have the highest hockey IQ of anyone in the draft. He works hard. He's six foot three or six foot two, but a good skater for how big he is. He has decent hands. He's a good playmaker. He's one of the best possession drivers in the entire NCAA. He's a very good prospect. I just personally would take Wallstrom or Hughes or Boquist, guys that have dynamic talents over Kachuk. It's just crazy to me that we're going to live in a world where there's not just a good chance, but a very good chance that Kachuk gets taken before Phillips Adina. Oh uh, yeah, that's crazy to me. And and the one thing that I would be happy with with say trading up with Montreal is I mean, I'm sure you've all seen some like the video like the tweets or pictures of Zadina with height with Ahidal, and that would be fantastic to have them on the same team. Why would Zadina get picked afterwards, legitimately with Montreal? Explain this to a person who has no idea. Well, so to a lot of the traditional pundits believe that Svechnikov, Zadina, and Kachuk are all on a similar tier. I disagree. I have Kachuk, as I explained before, two tiers below them. Mm-hmm. But like Bob McKenzie, for example, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that dude. He's 
easily one of the best guys in all of sports media. And when he does his top rankings, what he does is he talks to a lot of scouts and front office people from teams. So his rankings kind of reflect what a lot of teams are thinking. And in his rankings, there is a clear second tier that is Smetchikov, Zadina, and Kachuk. He has Kachuk at four, but that is a clear tier. And so what scouts and front office people are telling him is they value Kachuk almost as much as they value Zadina and Smetchikov. And it. so, and, and Montreal typically, you know, if you look at the PK Subban for Shea Weber trade and some of the other trades they do, they kind of overvalue the the character and grit side of things. And uh, Kachuk brings that think? way more than the <laughs> Yeah, and there's also the whole the Canadians want someone who can slide right into their lineup. And whatever you want to say about Brady Kachuk, I it would almost be a surprise for not for him to not make an opening day lineup with whatever team drafts him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Personally, I think Svechikov is the most NHL ready of the three, but yeah, Kachuk likely is gonna make an NHL roster too. Maybe not right away, but at some point next season. Now I'm looking here. A new mock draft just came out. One of the first of many. And I have it open here for some reason. And I'm not sure why. Which, which one? There's like five that all came out today. Uh, it was from Sporting News. Anyway, they have... Oh, Sporting News. That guy's awesome. Okay. Uh, was taught... Wait, was this the guy? Uh, I, I, he's the draft analyst on Twitter. But his what, name is his... Steve Corian. Yeah, that's... I can't say his last name. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's him. That's the guy. That, guy. that guy's really good. Well, he has the Rangers getting Wallstrom at nine. Tell me yeah, why that's I... crazy. It's not crazy. Okay. It actually would be fantastic. Um, I mean, because you mentioned a second ago that could be a guy they would trade up to get. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, but that's again, I'm talking about the way I personally value it. It's possible that other teams value it differently. Um, I love Wallstrom. I personally, so th- today I actually was screwing around with my draft rankings, and I have Wallstrom at for myself right now that's higher than uh, most of the pundits have him i think bob mckenzie had him at seven and so it's not inconceivable to think that two guys will be picked you know ahead of wallstrom so maybe so evan bouchard for example he's a big hulking defenseman who has a howitzer of a shot and just led all defensemen in points in the ohl and led most skaters in points in the ohl he's a guy that i have below um Below Wallstrom, that could be taken above him. And so that bumps him one spot down. Then again, Noah Dobson, very good player. I said before, Ryan McDonough is his comp. His, is his comp. He's also like six foot, you know, on the bigger side of the defenseman. He's six foot one, six foot two. He's another guy that someone could reach for. Or maybe a team reaches for a center like Joe Valeno or just Barry Kotkanimi, uh, I think is how you pronounce his last name. So if one of those centers get taken, you know, Wallstrom can get bumped down. Interesting. Yeah, the, a lot of those players are on this list. He even has Ty Smith uh, above uh, Wallstrom at this point. Uh, I he, love Ty Smith. We're going to be talking about these players a lot uh, mm-hmm. in the next coming month, and we're, I'm sure I'm going to learn them all and all their games as we go on here. Who's a player, like you were saying, I love Ty Smith. Who's the player that you have like most near and dear to your heart? Who's your pet player in this top 10 outside of like Dolan, of course? Uh, Oliver Dahlin. Wallstrom. Wallstrom is a guy that I've hooked my wagon to a long time ago. If you read our piece that we wrote about a month ago, Wallstrom was like, so when me, Sean, and George were kind of planning, okay, who's going to do what? I immediately was said, okay, I'm writing about Wallstrom. <laughs> He's my guy in this, in this, you know, top 10 range. All right. And, and, oh, sorry, no, keep going, keep going. No, I was just I was just going to talk a little bit about why I like Wallstrom. Yeah, go for it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. So Wallstrom, you know, Svechnikov is the best scorer in this draft class. Um, but other than Svechnikov, like Wallstrom, like if you want a, a guy that can put the puck in the net, that is Oliver Wallstrom. A lot of people know him because like ten years ago or so, there was a video that became famous because at like a you know in I think it was an intermission at a Bruins game or something. He just I think he, when he was nine years old, he kind of did that thing where he lifted the puck up, spun around, and threw it in the net on the goalie, and that that went viral. And you know now he's an eighteen year old eligible for the draft. And he this kid is incredible. He's pretty big too. So he's six one and already two hundred and five pounds. Actually, if anything, he could afford to slim down that's a little a big bit. Boy. Um, yeah, but he's, um, you know, he, he for his size, he's a good skater. He has one of the best sets of hands in the entire draft class, and he might have the best pure shot of anyone in his draft class. Um, the and, 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 you know, I think he's a right. I mean, wingers, you know, they'll play right and left away. He tra- traditionally is a right winger. Um, but at, at the time I wrote the article, he was second uh, among all U.S. national development uh, players in 
in total scoring. He had 39 goals and 39 assists in 51 games. Um, I mean, the kid is incredible. The one knock on him that you'll see is his work ethic sometimes can come and go. But of all the traits that you look for in players, the thing that's easiest to fix is the fucking work ethic. Hey, you so know what? You know what's really a right, nice motivator? Playing for the New York Rangers and a ton of money. Or a good fucking coach. Yeah, all those things can motivate. We could change that. I'm not worried about that, especially with Sheldon, an 18-year-old. Well, especially if we hire Sheldon Keefe, you know, he can like, you know, if Wallstrom doesn't do well, he'll hit up his buddies to get a murder plot out of him. <laughs> right. He'll <laughs> kidnap his mother, you know, all that stuff. Um, what do you feel no, about seriously, Sheldon? Well, ser- seriously, guys, though, that, that Scott Wheeler interview was fantastic. I love every moment. Great of that. job, Greg. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'd like to take a second to thank myself. I am an orator of a... Uh, of a generation. Wow. Little circle jerk. Oh. Uh, Drew, I'm going to cut Ryan off because I had a question for you before oh, I forget it. Sounds good. All our focus has been on the top 10. Is there a guy in the 15 to 20 range that you would want the Rangers to trade up and get their hands on? Good question. Good question, Greg. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple. There's one guy, Vitaly Kravstov. He plays for the KHL. And he is he did really well at the end of the season and in the KHL playoffs. Um, he's a guy that I actually didn't even have in my top 31 when we last did our ranks. And if I were to say I definitely made a mistake with my first set of ranks, it was leaving him off. And the more I research him, the more I love him. On again, so today again, I was screwing around with my ranks a little bit. I right now have him slotted around 17th. He's awesome. Uh, another guy, there's a player, Grigory Denisenko. He's a left winger, plays in the uh, the KHL minor leagues. And there, there's a lot of kind of mystery around him because he was like kind of left off their U18 team. And there's some like confusion as to why. Uh, I guess it was reported that he, he wasn't getting along with the coach or something like that. But he's a dynamic talent. Um, one of the better offensive players that you can get outside of the top 10. Um, the guy, Jesperi Kotkanimi, that I said before, he's a center, plays in the Finnish Pro League. He's an awesome talent. He'll probably go around 12, 13, 14, but he's a guy I like a lot. And um, yeah, th- those are the guys as far as that you might need to trade up to get. But there honestly are a number of guys that could be available in that 25 to 30 range where we will have two picks that are fantastic as well. What uh, is one of those guys, Niels Lindquist? Yeah, clearly you follow Tobias Pedersen on Twitter. Sure do. I sure do. <laughs> That's Tobias's boy. Um, yeah, Lundqvist is good. Um, I'm not quite as high as him as Tobias is, but to Tobias's credit, Lundqvist has been one of the best young defensemen in the SHL for uh, this year. Um, there's been stretches where he's looked just as good, if not better, than Adam Boquist with like the national team. Um, but he is one of them. Uh, Another guy that could fall into that range is this kid, Dominic Bach, who is a German kid that recently uh, moved to the SHL to get better experience. Um, You're talking about dynamic talents in this draft. Bach may be a top 10 talent, but he's still very raw, has a lot of work to do. Uh, He's a right winger for the record. And um, he's a guy that, you know, I've seen as high as seven or eight in some people's rankings. Most of the mock drafts have him going in their early 20s around that range. So he's a guy that I'd love to kind of target. Um, and then, you know, I wrote about Ryan Merkley in our piece. Uh, a lot of guys have him falling, having, have him falling into the second round now. Um, you won't find a more gifted offensive defenseman than Ryan Merkley. Issue with him is he, he honestly isn't that great in his own zone. And apparently he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> so him and Anthony D'Angelo will make a great defensive well, pair. He's not an asshole with regards to like political shit. He's just you know prone to throwing temper tantrums, and if things don't go his way in his game, in the game, he'll act out. Like there was one play where I guess a guy got under his skin, and his reaction was he swung at the dude with the stick like a fucking baseball bat, and got yeah, a couple games for that. That's gonna be a no from me, dog. Well, on, well, if you go. Honestly, after this podcast, just okay. Google him, watch some of his videos. I guarantee you, you'll change your tune. Uh, I, I mean, it's just saying, a stick, I'm, right? He'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying trade up for him, but if he's there at our Tampa pick at like 30th in the first round, I won't be pissed if they, t- if they take a shot on him. Well, good news is last year, no one good went 30 anyway, so that's good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eli Tolvanen or Ellie Tolvanen, whatever the hell. Who's that? For- Who's that? <laughs> Never heard of him. Uh, so, um, I'm trying to think here. Is there a scenario, Drew, where 
instead of the Rangers actually going from having three first-round picks to two, is there a scenario where this team could go from having three first-round picks to four? Yeah, sure. There's always that scenario. I mean, I don't know quite why. Given everything Gorton has said, I'm not sure. I don't think that would happen. But sure, if um, let's say, um, say uh, I'm looking at kind of the list here, say the Dallas Stars, for example, they're picking at 14, you know, fall in love with someone that falls to nine. I can see a scenario where they hit up the Rangers. Hey, you know, we'll give you our 14th pick and, you know, uh, uh, next year's first round pick or. You know, for whatever reason, Hitchcock and not, Hitchcock's gone. But for whatever reason, Hitchcock hated Julius Honka. It's like, hey, we'll give you Julius Honka for your ninth pick. Uh, okay, fine. Um, in that scenario, I could see something like that. I, I, I'd be hard pressed. Given everything Gorton has said, I'd be hard pressed to see them trade down. But for the record, no, normally I, I'm fine with trading down. But in in this draft, like I said, I do think it drops off if they're ten, and I. I I mean, if we got a good win now play, not win now, if we got a good young NHL player for it, I'm all for it. But if it's just for a bunch more picks, just hope that Quinn Hughes or Adam Boquist or Oliver Wallstrom drops to nine. And, and those three, one of them really may well drop to nine. Let me ask another question. The opposite question, which I think the answer is just strictly no, but I have to ask, would you trade all three picks to be pick number two? No. I like Smetchikoff and Zadina a lot. I, uh I mean, it's 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 not outrageous, but I personally wouldn't. Um, I'd rather stay at nine and then use the other two picks for either flyers or use them to target, you know, a guy like, uh, I mean, I know we've spoken about Dougie Hamilton a lot as like the flavor of the week on Twitter. But, you know, use those two picks and other assets to try to get him or use some of those picks to try to get Oscar Clefbaum. Yeah, Clefbaum is still the guy I keep going back to. I re- I really think there's a trade to be made there. The more I think about Dougie Hamilton, the more I don't think it's going to happen. Well, it's not going to. Sh- well, it shouldn't happen because he's one of the ten best defensemen in the NHL. And I can't. I had I had someone literally tweet me last week saying that he was just poor man Shattenkirk, and I felt like responding like, "Dude, you are the dumbest fucker on the face of the earth." <laughs> but I you say like, something like that makes my heart warm because you're like the nicest guy. So you you go again to say you're the dumb fuck is amazing. On on Twitter, I try to be as nice as possible. I always keep in the back of my mind that hey, I like my job. My clients are at work are all financial firms, and mm-hmm. it's possible that they one day search me and find some stupid tweet I say. And so for that record, for that reason, I try to be professional on Twitter, but like, man, I get some stupid shit. Like today, someone tried telling me that it would be, quote unquote, Buffalo would not be that stupid to trade uh, Rasmus Ristolainen for the ninth pick, Kevin Hayes, and the third round pick. Like I wouldn't trade the ninth pick or Kevin Hayes for Rasmus Ristolainen, let alone all that shit. Gotta love Twitter, man. Twitter... What was life before Twitter? I don't remember being as angry at random people that I've never met before before Twitter. Yeah, I just, don't, I just don't like people that I've never met. And I don't, it's incredible, actually. Yes, yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm with you. I was a lot less angry before Twitter, but I also smoked a lot of pot back before Twitter existed. So it's hard to <laughs> tell, like, what is what. <laughs> Where am I? I don't even know. Uh, Drew, Drew, actually, Drew worried, about, worried about his clients finding him and finding some information about him that they don't want to know. <laughs> Staying on podcasts that back in my day. <laughs> That's okay. That was college. They're not going to listen to this. They don't care anyway. Um, hey, you don't know. We're pretty popular. I will say that one of my clients did randomly find an article I write and message me just to be like, hey, I found this. This is great. Thanks. Really? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, I got... A guy that works for the company TIAA found it and, mess- and emailed me about it. I started cracking up. That's funny, man. What <laughs> are about, they hiring? You've kind of, they probably are. What about uh, Sheldon Keefe and how you feel about him? I know you were kind of on that bandwagon really early. What are your thoughts on him now? you still like, that's the guy you want to coach this team? Yeah, so I'm talking about tiers and stuff. So, uh, you know, me and Sean wrote an article, I think it was last week, about our co- you know coaching, the non-Sheldon Keefe coaching candidates. In the intro, I pretty much stated, in my opinion, this the draft is like a coaching search. Rasmus Dahlin and Sheldon Keefe are on a tier of their own as the number one options. And then there's everyone else that is very good, but all has a red flag or two. Sheldon Keefe is far and away my number one option. I would love nothing more than for him to coach the Rangers. Um, that said, there are a handful of other guys that would likely be very good coaches as well. Jim Montgomery is the one that I keep coming back to as my 1B, if there is one. Jim Montgomery and Todd Nelson. Um, 
Todd Nelson, what I love about him is he embraces analytics and he's innovative. Um, for example, uh, uh, he he tried uh, this year in the in the AHL. He had a five forward power play for a lot of the year, and that's something that Dmitry Filipovich used to talk a lot about on his podcast, the PDO Cast, where there all the data. Th- there's empirical evidence that shows that a four forward, one defenseman power play, assuming you have the proper you know forward talent to pull that off, is more effective than a three forward, two defenseman power play. Um, there's been multiple studies about it about this, and it's been you know objectively proven that you gain more on offense than you lose on defense by having four forwards and one defenseman. And Dimitri said multiple times on his pod, I'd love someone to do five forwards, zero defenseman on the power play. Well, Todd Nelson did that and it had amazing success. I forget what the exact numbers were. Sean wrote about him in the piece and had uh, the exact numbers, but there was a dramatic increase in the power play when he did that. And I just love someone that's willing to give something like that a shot. So I'm a big Todd Nelson guy. Uh, Jim Montgomery, love him too. Uh, you want to know, uh, the, I compared him to John Tortorella in the piece. Um, he he does a lot of things a lot like Tortorella, uh, minus, you know, the the press conferences, the sore loserness in the press conferences. But um, he, he's a good coach. He's he's a detail-oriented guy. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of str- of stressing blocking shots and hit numbers, but he, you know, he does a lot of things well. He is a good locker room guy, but he's not afraid to be a disciplinarian either. And he's had fantastic success. And his biggest success, in my opinion, is Oliver Borkstrom, who is one of the best center prospects in the entire NHL. Florida Panthers picked him a couple of years ago. He was a late tw- uh, mid-20s pick, and he was, it was a bit highly scrutinized pick. A lot of people were wondering what the hell Florida was doing by picking him. Now he's one of the best center prospects in the entire league. He's a fantastic player, and a lot of it, and that progression has happened under the tutelage of Jim Montgomery. Well, that's a lot for me to. So, I, uh, there's so much I have to learn as like a Ranger fan who doesn't know about other teams' coaches or prospects. Or, I, I just there's so much to take in over these next couple of weeks, and I'm sure we're going to be breaking it down way too goddamn much. Here, here's my question: Is there a coaching candidate without NHL experience that you're just adverse to? Yeah, there's plenty. I mean, there's a lot of AHL coaches that suck. <laughs> one, one that's been rumored, I would say. Ah, one that's been, well, let's see. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Tony Granato at Wisconsin. Um, but then again, I might just be overweighting what happened with the U.S. team at the Olympics. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't in the room. I don't know how much say he had over the roster. What we saw sucked. And it's hard to parse whether that was him or the guys that put the roster together. Um, and I know someone along the way threw him out as a candidate. Um, I wrote about David Quinn in our piece. I'm, I'll be fine if Quinn is hired, but I think he has more red flags than, say, Jim Montgomery or Todd Nelson. Or um, I think Larry, uh, Darren Dredger mentioned uh, Scott Sandlin, who's the coach of Minnesota Duluth. I'd take all of them over David Quinn. Yeah, I would take all of them over David Quinn. That said, I, I wouldn't be upset if Quinn was the coach. I just would be slightly disappointed because there's others I want more. Awesome. Well, I think we covered a lot today. Uh, Drew, thanks so much for coming on, man, and taking time out of your day and sitting in a room with no internet, somehow talking to us. Pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and plug all your shit? I mean, Blue Shirts Breakaway. Is huh? where, what? Blue, BlueShirtsBreakaway.com is where it's at. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're not already, you can follow me at Drew's uh, D-R-E-W-S underscore way on Twitter or just go on BlueShirtsBreakaway.com and read all my stuff. Drew is the best analytics person for the Rangers. If you're not following him, you're crazy. The second Appreciate best that. The second best is Hockey Stat Miner. Uh, <laughs> He's, Mika's great. I love him. Yeah, he, we had him on the pod. He was great, man. I Trust me, I listened. All right, we know. Thanks. What, uh, what did he say? He was like six beers deep or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was yeah, great. He fit, he fit right in. Yeah, he was perfect. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, great. We want to end the podcast here. We want to come back. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Mm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good. All right, let's end the podcast here. We'll come back next week. We'll do an extra bonus nuts for, for you guys. Or if you want to hear more of it, you can go to the Patreon and find us there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. I love y'all. That's all my plugs. Bye. Peace. Editor's note. We live. It continues right now. Okay, here we go. Here's some shitty takes on baseball and the football. Let's start with this. Baker Mayfield? (laughs) Don't I? You know what? 
I've said all along that Josh Rosen is my guy in this draft, so he should be the first one to go. It wasn't wasn't because he was Jewish. It's partly. Okay. I I also just (laughs) – if if you just look at the talent and the pedigree, Josh Rosen is the best quarterback available. I get the red flag. I think people would make an argument for Sam Darnold. I, I don't. I really don't. Okay. I, I think I think it was clear that Mike Francesa would disagree with you, Michael. That's fine. Uh you fuck that guy, by the way, for coming back. Just fucking retire. Like what what are you doing? Yeah, we do have a lot to talk what? about. We we could have done an extra segment. <laughs> <laughs> we still can if you want to. You want to make this the extra segment? And then we'll do Patreon? Uh so we go blah, 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 blah. I'll uh yeah, I'll yeah, let's fuck it. This is now an extra segment. I'll cut. I'll cut that one part out. So <laughs> um, you want to you want to talk Francesca first, then? Yeah, let's do Francesca because actually uh, I was gonna say let's cut this podcast short, but now I'm fired up. Yeah. Well, I, I said the magic word. Yeah. So I'm a big Francesca guy, or I was. Francesca. Yeah. Well, Francesca was a big part of me getting into quote unquote talk radio uh, sure. before I was into podcast. I guess at the same time, Francesca brought me into the world of talk radio. I missed Mike and the Mad Dog. I know how sad that is. I totally understand. I miss the pure magic of what that was. But listening to Francesca on the afternoons, having him simulcast on my TV and kind of going through the motions with him really got me into talk radio along with Bill Simmons. Those are like my my idols, I would say. It's going to what we do now. Not that I'm anywhere near like them at all. But they, they inspired me. Him leaving and doing a two-year retirement tour and then pretty much saying, I'm coming back for less money, by the way, probably because he couldn't negotiate something bigger, is a dick move. It's not just – here's here's the whole – my whole thing. Um, WFAN had to know that the ratings were going to drop without Francesca because uh, – Yeah, that's a big duh. He is Francesca. And then they didn't do themselves any favor by coming in, going in with CMB. I don't think – New York is the one market in my mind where your prime time drive radio slot, you got to have guys that love baseball. New York is the market that is still in love with baseball more than any other market. And oh, it dominates and, the airwaves in New York for longer than any other. And especially other right now, Greg, the fucking Mets and the Yankees are both killing it. Now, the Mets have cooled down a little bit. Uh, you bite your tongue. They have cooled down. It's fine. You guys are still number one in your division. The, Nas- the Nationals look like shit. You're comp- They're poopy. You're competing with the Phillies and... Also, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm messing out on the other name. I don't know why. Philly the Braves. Is the Braves. Oh, my God. Yeah, the Braves, Ozzy Albies, and Acuna. And that's yep. your division is going to be tight all year. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry renewal right now is amazing. Sports talk radio. And yep. you're having Bart Scott give his yep. takes on baseball who knows absolutely nothing. And admittedly knows nothing and doesn't want to know anything about baseball. Their, their problem is, one, Bart Scott, and two, I just don't think the three-man format works on drive time radio. I, I, I personally don't like Joe and Evan. They should this have just is, gotten, they this should is have where just gotten. We're going to hard disagree. We're going to super I, hard disagree. I understand I'm in the minority on Joe and Evan. I, I understand the allure to them. My whole thing is they should be your one to seven. I really, if Joe and Evan were your one to seven, I, the ratings still would have dropped, but you still would have been beating Michael K. I really like Evan a lot. I really do. I, I think he really knows his shit. They for again, I'm admitting I'm the minority. They have good chemistry together. It works. The New York market clicks with them. They're able to talk about everything, and they're they're New York guys. Yeah, and, and Joe, a Joe Beningo ad read is perfect. Go yeah. on down to Anthony's Cold Fire Pizza. It's the best. <laughs> I love it, man. He's they're New York guys, and if you're gonna try and replace Mike Francesa, you need to replace him with New York guys. So WFAN's biggest mistake was. By just not bumping Joe and Evan up. Bringing that should have always been the move. Bringing a Philly sports radio talk show host. And Bart well, Carlin, Carlin has New York ties. He, he cut his teeth with Francesa. I mean, Car- but Carlin, what's, what's exciting about Carlin for real? Uh, you don't, again, you're, you're preaching to the choir. If Carlin is the best thing you have going on your primetime slot, you don't have a good thing going. When they brought like, in Carlin, Carlin, I was Carlin, like, that's it? If you wanted to play Carlin off someone... I can see it. It could work. I don't know why WFAN felt the need to make Carlin their prime guy. That, like, why Why was the show basically built Why are we tying Carlin? the horses to Carlin? That was it. And then Bart Scott I felt like know. a throw-in. Like, oh, now we have a football guy, too. Bart Scott's a Jet, who was a Jet for two to three years, right? And maybe he's, it was, he's the can't He's the can't-wait guy. Yeah, like, that's, that's what Bart Scott is. Bart, Bart Scott is a meme that said, can't wait. And that was that's all Bart Scott was. Now, can Bart Scott talk some serious football? Fuck, I'm sure he can. 
But so you you know what you do? You bring him on once a week as your football guy. Yeah, he's your football guy to talk about that. Like draft week. Our our guest this whole week is Bart Scott. Yeah, I just it was a huge oversight on WFAN's part to think one the ratings weren't going to take a significant hit, and then two. Whoa, I don't know what just happened. You and then two. Up. I think I did. <laughs> um, the CMB trio was just never going to work. I don't know anyone who was excited for it. And if if you have an entire audience coming off Mike Francesa already down on the trifecta before it even begins, it's going to hurt you even more. The it, They overthought it. The move was just to promote Joe and Evan. And then if you wanted to fill the, the 10 to one spot, fill the 10 to one spot. I don't, I just, I don't know why they didn't just make Joe and Evan your drive time guy. It was ridiculous. Um, on top of that, and not to, business-wise, I guess this is what they tried to do. They tried to diversify. I mean, obviously Maggie's good at what she does, but they brought a woman on the air where uh, it's, it's totally fine. Then they got Bart Scott, who's obviously not a, a standard white guy. So they're trying honestly, to diversify. Honestly, too. I think Maggie's been great. Maggie's if, probably the, the best of the three of show that's worked has been Maggie. <laughs> right. I just think you've tied her to a guy that can't talk about baseball in the world's biggest baseball market and a guy who's just not interesting. Yeah, so Maggie and, gets lost and, in the And Maggie's shuffle. the biggest baseball person on that show. Yeah, she gets lost in the shuffle because Car- Carlin, Carlin is bland and Bart Scott is dumb. I wanted to dance around that really carefully, and I did a terrible job. So there you go. You did a terrible job. That's why I came in for the save. I appreciate it. Uh, no, if you're Matt Harvey, honestly, honestly, Maggie with literally anyone else, I, it would have been interesting to see. I wonder how Boomer would have done with Maggie. That's an interesting combo. Like Boomer on the afternoon drop. Maybe Boomer doesn't want to go afternoon. I don't think Boomer wants to go afternoon, but you could put Maggie on the morning show. Mm, Maggie on the morning show because Boomer's alone now. Yeah, if you put if it's, you put Boomer with Maggie, I you would have gotten more interesting. Boomer's show feels a little bit more now like the Dan Patrick show where he kind of has his guys, also Dan Patrick, and it, it's kind of like the morning show crew with WFAN and Boomer. That's yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Me either. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Boomer guy anyway. But I just think if if you wanted to Carton, accentuate Maggie, you could have done it in more interesting Car- ways. Uh, Carton's obviously a piece of shit, right? And I, I mean. Craig Carton, he he tried to start a podcast oh, no, before fuck, I went to fuck jail. Craig Carton. He's, fuck Craig Carton. But he drew numbers, and he he played really well. Yeah, with, because that's radio. You, the one thing that makes you more more people listen to you when they hate you. Yeah. But there's a difference between I hate your takes versus I hate how you do your job. Right. And there, what CMB is is people saying I hate how you're doing your job. That's true, and it, it's just not fair. I mean, it's not fair that Mike Francis is coming back, but it's a business decision. He went above Chernoff, supposedly, and uh, got his job back and got the 3 o'clock spot. And starts today, by the way. He'll be on today at 3 for the first Yeah, time. I I just don't care. Like, I, I've never been a big Francesa guy. Mike and the Mad Dog was a very important part of my childhood they growing did, up. They did because, three hours, like, three weeks ago. It was amazing. Yeah, it, it's, it's what I would listen to in the car with my dad, either when we're driving to Met games or just driving around town. So, like, Michael, I have... Michael! <laughs> I have I, I, just get that. I have nostalgic feelings whenever I see or hear those two guys together. But individually, I think they're both fucking bags of hot air that are just unlistenable. I it, I still like Francesca. Yeah, Fran, I, Francesca, I, I understand. Sorry. I understand, and I understand again that I once once again am in the minority with this. It, it's a nostalgia thing. thing, so I won't listen to Francesca like I used to. There's only one I, person. I like, that, you know what? I like Francesca when he jumps on Bill Simmons' pod. I was about to make that point. There's only one person I listen to religiously, maybe two. Nah, it's one. I really only listen to Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons is just a really part of, I'm a fanboy. He's a big part of my life, has been for about 12 years. Even when I hate his guts and disagree with him, I listen to all his podcasts. That's the only person I stick by. Now, when Francesca's on, Bill Simmons, he does, Bill does a really good job keeping Francesca in the know and in, and, and in check. And no one can keep Francesca in check when he's on his show by himself, so he goes off the fucking rails. Now, when uh, when a major topic happens in New York, like when Eli gets benched, Francesca is must-listen radio. Absolutely. Right, right. And, and it's, again, important to remember that whether you like Francesca or not, he is part of the New York sports culture. You cannot separate New York sports from Mike Francesa. And I think the problem that WFAN encountered was they tried to do that with who replaced them, and that was that was their mistake. They needed, if you want to replace the biggest New York guy, you at least need a New York guy. And the guys they brought in are not New York guys. They brought a guy who played with the Jets but made his name with the Baltimore Ravens. They brought a guy who worked with Mike Francesa but is more well-known for his work in Philadelphia. It, it, it doesn't work. It, and it didn't work. And do I feel bad for CMB that their show's getting cut short? I, I feel bad that it's Francesa that's cutting it short. 
I don't think it's wrong for WFAN to take a step back and realize, I think we made a mistake with this drive time radio. No, absolutely. And, and supposedly, Carton, uh, not Carton, sorry. Uh, what, Car- I don't know why Carlin, Carlin just my brain exploded, said Fred Sassa text and said, suck my dick. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You know what will make CMB more listening to? If they have beef with Francesa. It'll be interesting and more compelling radio than what they've been doing. So in that regards, WFAN may have accidentally uncovered what might save them. Because beef on your own station, any beef is good beef. And we saw it when Francesa would shit on Michael K. So we're going to see it now within WFAN. But at the same time... It, it, it's hard to work in a place where people aren't happy. Radio I'm, wars, I'm just, man. I'm just going to say that. Radio wars. Radio wars only works when you're at different stations, though. It's <laughs> really hard to do when you're at the same Supposedly building. Supposedly everyone at WFN is pissed that Mike's coming back and Mike cares no shits at all. He does not Mike, care. one, Mike shouldn't give a shit because he's Mike Francesa. Two, that's the reason why WFN shouldn't have brought him back. Because Francesa doesn't give – Francesa doesn't give a shit. And he doesn't have to give a shit. He doesn't. And, uh, again, this is all avoided if you just gave Joe and Evan that spot. And another thing, I think he gets a lot better because he only has the three-hour slot. I think that makes him even more enticing. I agree. Yep. It limits – it limits – it limits the dumb. Right. It gives – it gives Francesca the 20-minute open monologue with no calls. It gives him the hour to have a guest on. And then it gives him the hour of phone calls. And that's like a perfect amount of Francesca every day. If I'm CMB, I don't know why I'm hanging around to do radio one to three in New York. What's to, what's the one point? One to three. That's it's like having a podcast. It's it it that's what it is. It's a live podcast. I don't know what they're gonna do in that two hours. Two hours. This is gonna sound crazy. Two hours is not a lot of. It's not a lot of time to do radio. Oh, it's not. When, you have when you, when you, you have account 40, for the fact that you basically have to have a guest, and there's forty minutes take of that. Twenty to thirty minutes. There's forty minutes of that. Yeah, and the 2020 Flash on FAN, they're basically going to have an hour of radio time where they can be whatever they want to be. So realistically, they get a Blue Shirts Breakaway podcast. Because we, we, do, we don't do ads. Not a good one because we don't have ads. We don't do ads. I don't know why we don't. It's probably my because bad. Because people, people don't pay us. No, that's true. Well, no, we, people, well some people pay us. People, some people pay us. Um, yeah, no, the FAN's a mess. And uh, it, I, I feel bad for CMB, but at the same time, FAN made this bed, and they're going to have to sleep in it. I do love the how we were, we were going to stop recording, and we just could not stop ourselves from doing this. Um, the, we, when we started, when we said we were going to do the Patreon extra, we were just going to talk about football and baseball. And I brought up Francesca. Yeah, I had to do it. Uh, it's, it's been on my mind a lot. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk uh, football real quick, and then we'll go to baseball for the Patreon extra. Done. Uh, Baker Mayfield is someone I mentioned yeah. at the beginning of this. Sure. And what I was trying to say is, <laughs> what I was trying to say is. It, Josh Rosen's still my guy. I think Josh Rosen will be the best quarterback if he stays healthy. And the concussions are real, and I understand the the red flags regarding the concussions. Arizona is a great landing spot for Josh Rosen. It's perfect. He's not going to be expected to play year one. Uh, Sam Bradford will play for six weeks, and then they'll find another quarterback to play the rest of the year. Absolutely. Um, Mayfield has – Sam Darnold is a very safe pick. We all know he's going to be an NFL quarterback. He'll probably be average. I'm very happy for Jets fans. Like very I'm, happy. I, I, I wouldn't say very happy. There's a there's a chance that Sam Darnold is just Josh McCown. Yikes. Yeah, I, I, that, <laughs> that exists. I I, I truly believe That's that bad. scenario exists. Whereas Baker Mayfield will never be just Josh McCown. Baker Mayfield's either gonna be really good or really bad. I, I don't think he's gonna have an average NFL career. Um and when you have when you're the Cleveland Browns and you've missed on so many quarterbacks, I understand taking a swing at it. What I also the thing I'm angry about at the Browns is Nick Chubb. I am furious they didn't take Bradley Chubb. Oh, Bradley Chubb, sorry. Yeah, yeah I, I don't get it. They could first of all they could have had Chubb squared because they took Nick in the second round, and that only makes me angrier. Uh, I just I don't know how many times on this podcast I need to say that Bradley Chubb will be the best player drafted in this year's draft, and you could have lined him up opposite side Miles Garrett. I understand well, that they have a deficiency in the secondary. You know what makes your secondary better though. If you give the quarterback no time to throw, you know what? You know what's really good though, Von Miller. And, the, and oh Chubb. my god, the the Broncos are going to be nuts. Yeah. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the opposite side of each other. They have that's no, insane. They have no quarterback, but that defense is going to be pretty good. They got Case Keenum. He's uh, a he's a guy. Uh, okay, all right. 
Did you forget they had Case Keenum? I didn't forget. It's just so easy to forget Case Keenum. Case <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a guy. Even, I, with, even with his spectacular year in Minnesota. I mean, all, all you need to know about how smart teams value Bradley Chubb is the Broncos had a deal done with the Bills, and they were just waiting for draft day to make it official so the Bills can jump up and get Josh Allen. And then Chubb fell to five, and the Broncos were like, fuck you, we're taking Bradley Chubb. Yeah, fuck that. Why would we, why would we do this? We're going to get the best player in the draft. Yeah, I um, the players – the, you know what's funny? I, I still was not the world's biggest fan of the Saquon Barkley pick. I was just about to ask you that. It's funny we read each other's mind. Um, I, I'm still not the biggest fan of it, but you know what helps justify taking Saquon Barkley at two? What's that? Getting Will Hernandez in the second round. And who's Will Hernandez for people who don't care? He, he was a top 20, top 25 overall talent in the draft. Probably mm-hmm. one of the five best interior linemen available. And for whatever reason, he dropped out of the first round. And he was right there for the Giants for the second pick of the second. If you're going to get Saquon Barkley, getting Will Hernandez as well is very good. I Quentin Nelson is easily the best guard in this draft. I think Will Hernandez is number two. Wow. Getting him in the second round like that, it must be a steal for the Giants. It, it's it's a good move. You're going to have a left side of your line now with Nate Solder and Will Hernandez. And that's, that is at worst an average NFL offensive line. The Giants so. already feel like a 10-win team. Um... They're going to be better than they were last year. It's hard to be worse. It's hard to be worse. I, there are still some very significant questions on that. Off, They're going to be as good as their offensive line allows them. Because if their offensive line is good, they're going to give Eli time. And if you give Eli time with the amount of insane weapons they have. Yeah, they're stacked. Like between OBJ and Barkley, you're going to be doing a lot of fucking offense. And you should have, you should have, you should have a rejuvenated Janoris Jenkins in the secondary. You still have a very good front seven on defense. Um, the Giants, by the way, won the draft by taking a guy named B.J. Hill with the 69th overall pick. Nice. That, yeah, Dude, yeah, Dick, Dick Hammer, though? I know. <laughs> Sam Dar- the best quality about Sam Darnold is his grandfather, and that worries me about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's best quality is his grandfather's name is Dick Hammer. That's um, fucking incredible. Yeah, and then as uh, I will just say, but the two things. Uh, one, I, I don't understand why Bo Scarborough went in the seventh round. That guy's going to be a legitimate NFL running back. And the fact that 32 teams continued to pass on him until the Cowboys took him in the second round is going to uh, – we're, we're going to look back and be like, how, do, how the fuck did this happen? Um, and then two, I, I just think it's – the Niners realize what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo and they're just building around him. And uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, if I'm a Patriots fan, and not that I have anything to be salty about whatsoever, I mean, you lost the Super Bowl, yeah, I get it. But you have five rings and you've had the greatest quarterback of all time. Trading Garoppolo for the second round pick, that looks really bad. Yeah, and the Niners are like, all right, what do we have to do to make Garoppolo successful? Well, one, we have to keep him upright. All right, fine. We're going to take a right tackle with our first overall pick. Done. Sure. All right, what else do we need to do to make Jimmy Garoppolo successful? Well, <laughs> we're going to need a slot receiver for him to throw to. All right, fine. We're going to trade up in the second round and get who we think is the best slot receiver available. I would have lost my mind with joy if that pick was Anthony Miller instead of Pettis, but whatever. At least they they... They, they realize what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo, which is the Golden Goose. And now they're building around that. And it is – that's how good organizations are run, right? And it's something the Niners haven't been able to do since Harbaugh left. No, and, and Harbaugh is having a mess of a time in college. Anyway, uh, let's end this podcast for real now. How about that? We came let's back. Uh, if you want to hear us talk more about baseball, which is what we do best, supposedly, uh, we're going to do the Patreon bonus extra. I love all you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. We francesa it. We're sorry. Yeah, we did. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.